On and off the field, women in sports are inspiring and motivating others to be the best versions of themselves, rewriting the rules and changing the game. This is the On Her Turf podcast, hosted by Katherine Tappen. Welcome to the On Her Turf podcast. I'm Katherine Tappen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Today we are chatting with WNBA champion and two-time Olympic gold medalist Candace Parker. Candace is currently a forward for the Los Angeles Sparks, and thanks so much for taking the time to join us, Candace. Thanks for having me. First and foremost, I know you reside out in Los Angeles, and of course, all the news around the recent wildfires in California. So, we just wanted to, first of all, express our thoughts to you and, and your family and friends who are dealing with that. But um, is everyone in your family and your friends doing okay right now? Yeah, everything is is you know is good. I've had a couple of family members and some friends that have had to evacuate, but so far, you know, their, their houses are okay, but just, you know, it's been a tough week, I guess, for, for, you know, Los Angeles, especially Thousand Oaks with, you know, the shooting as well as with the fires. So I just keeping everybody in our thoughts and prayers and just hoping, you know, they get everything contained. I know it's all we can do and hope and pray for the first responders as well. A remarkable job they're doing out there fighting those fires. Uh, Candace, this is your off season. So the WNBA season goes from May until the playoffs end with the championship game, of course, in September. So uh, what does your off season routine look like? Take me through a normal day for you. Well, off season is a little different for me this time around. Um, Yeah. I've always gone overseas and played, you know, I've played in Russia, I've played in China, I've played in, in Turkey. And so, my off season really was very short, you know, because the season in WNBA is from April to October and then overseas is from October to April. So <laughs> your off season is, uh, is extremely short. So I think this time around with me not going overseas, you know, it's kind of uncharted territory. I'm kind of playing it by ear, but I like to work out for, I would say four to five times a week. I do do cardio usually three times and then I, I lift and do weights three times a week you know, on, on those other days. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. I, I do some yoga. Um, I start basketball, just getting shots up and stuff. Nothing serious so far because our season is so far away. And just watching a lot of basketball. <laughs> Plenty of it to watch, that's for sure, with the men uh, already in full swing here. What made you decide to skip going overseas this time around? You know, I have a, I have a nine-year-old daughter, and she's in fourth grade. And for the past 10 years, you know, I took a five-month-old baby to Russia with me for the first time, and she's gone to preschool over there. We were in China for Christmas last year, and this year it just seemed like the right time to kind of make that move and let her be here. You know, it's, it's a crucial time in fourth grade where, you know, I can't necessarily teach her everything in the correct way that teachers can, and I don't, I want her to be at home with her friends and her family and have a life of her own, so I think it was just time for for us as a family to be in the United States. Well, that brings me to uh, a huge talking point that I wanted to bring up with you. Um, You know, you took time off in the middle of your career in 2009, as you mentioned, nine years ago, uh, to have your daughter. And it's, it's Layla, right? Is that her name? Yes, Layla. Yeah, Layla. So what was that time of your life like and the decision to start a family during your career? You know, it was weird. I, I just came off of my rookie season in the WNBA and, you know, I, we had lost in the Western Conference Finals, and I just got Rookie of the Year and MVP and was playing. You know, we just won the Olympic gold medals, and I find out I'm pregnant with my daughter. And I, those that know me know I always wanted children. Like, I always wanted to have kids and, you know, have kids young. And I won't say that I was the most prepared, but I was, it was the best 
surprise and the best decision of my entire life. You know, I mean, Layla has been with me throughout my entire career. We've kind of grown up together in a sense. And I don't remember basketball before her. You know, it was always a balancing act. And it's really been a lot of fun to share this experience and these things with her and to kind of live life through her first, you know, and she, this is her reality. She doesn't know any different. So she doesn't know most kids, you know, didn't go to preschool in Russia or, you know, didn't mm-hmm. ride trains and, you know, do all this stuff during their That's off awesome. time, um, <laughs> three and four. So it's been a fun experience for me to kind of be able to share this with her. And, you know, she's an awesome kid and really kind of just tagged along and is, is great. Yeah, I mean, that's a really bold statement for you to say that, you know, you don't remember basketball without your daughter, Layla. I mean, you, you've you been playing basketball your whole life. You starred at the University of Tennessee. Um, and now here you go. The last nine years are, are, you know, it almost seems like everything else before that was wiped away because you have this beautiful little human being in your life now to share all these wonderful accomplishments with. Yes, and it really puts things in perspective, and I think it changed me as an individual because when you become a mom, you realize everybody that you're dealing with is somebody's child, and you realize the way that you want people to treat your child, and I think it just changes you as your relationships with people, um, me as a teammate, you know, how I deal with my coach. I think it just it transforms you when you become a parent, and I really have been fortunate with the support system around me that has helped me, that has allowed me to bring my daughter along to all the things that I do and all the countries that I play in. And it's just been um, a fantastic experience. I, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Tell me about Layla. What is she like? What's her personality like? I mean, you have this beautiful nine-year-old girl in your presence all the time. Tell me about her. Layla is like a spitting image of me, just like a mini person. Like her comments, <laughs> she's hilarious. Uh, she's witty. She loves theater. So she's in every play at her school. And it's it's fun for me because I'm able to step back and let her do what she's passionate about. And I think as a parent, when you're so into basketball yourself, you want to push your kids to do it. And I realized, like, I just wanted to, I want to push her to do what she's passionate about. And so right now she's playing soccer and she's tried volleyball. She hasn't tried basketball yet because she hasn't asked. And so I think it's just my job is, you know, to kind of just motivate her, help her develop that work ethic. But she really is just like my little best friend. I mean, she rolls with me. She goes everywhere. It's so easy now that she's nine. We have movie night and we, we really enjoy each other. Well, it sounds it sounds like it, you know, and you have this this wonderful, you know, young person in your life that you can really influence as well. And you can take your experiences um, that you learned over the years and, and all the people that gave you great advice and you can kind of give her that wisdom as well. So, you know, what kind of um, what kind of messages do you try to carve out to her and pass along to her and also other young girls that you serve as a role model to because you are such a tremendous role model to girls playing basketball all throughout the world and. And just, you know, the, the figure that you have become. So what are some of the messages that you like to tell to Layla? You know, I like to tell her a lot of messages, but she's similar to me in that it's experience is the best teacher. And so for me, I want to I want to give her so many experiences with so many different people and places and things, because I think when you have that perspective, when you're worldly at a young age, then you develop what I hope all of my kids have and you know, we as people obviously need more of it. It's just empathy. Like mm-hmm. you need to be able to be, 
have empathy and truly try to understand other people and other individuals. And I think that the thing that we value most in our home is relationships and how you develop them. Because a lot of experiences you have, they're great, but it's the people around you that make them special. And so, you know, it, it melts my heart when she's the first one over to her teammate when they score a goal. And I would tell her, like, the type of teammate you are, you know, you have to be to somebody else what you want them to be to you. And so I, I just smile every day at she's a great classmate, a great teammate. She's a phenomenal daughter. And so it just makes me proud to see the type of relationships that she's building at such a young age. Absolutely. And, and you know, you talk about these relationships in your home and, and how important they are. But how did having a child during your career change your relationship with the game of basketball? It puts things, it puts things in perspective. You know, it's my rookie year at Tennessee. I remember I relied so heavily on results. If we didn't win, it was like, don't talk to Candace for a day and a half or two days, you know, because she's still going to be upset about the loss and all that. But it's like, when you have a child, they don't care whether you won or lost. They don't care, you know, what happened in the game, how many points you scored. They want mommy. Like, they don't care about all that other stuff. And I think it puts stuff in perspective because you can realize you work as hard as you can. You put all the effort into your craft. And then you hope for the best. I mean, you've done everything you can. And so I think... Now I go into things and it's about the journey. It really is about the preparation. It's about getting to that point. And then, you know, the results will take care of themselves. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But it really is great to come home and be at home and separate basketball and life. You know, I mean, there's more to life than just basketball. Tremendous advice right there. And, and you're right. It says so much more is put into perspective. And, and I love that you said, you know, she doesn't care what happened. It's your mom. I mean, there's leave the game <laughs> behind and move forward to the role that is the most prevalent in your life. And that's as a mother. I, I want to I wanted to ask you what kind of adversity you faced right after you had your daughter, you know, trying to manage playing basketball. You missed the first eight games of that. 2009 WNBA season um, because you were coming back from your pregnancy. So, you know, physically, I'm sure you had to get yourself back in shape. You ended up having a tremendous season that year to finish. But what kind of challenges did you have coming back from, you know, the way your body felt, all of those things of being a mom now translating to being a professional athlete? Well, I think it's there. there's a challenge in obviously the balance of, you know, what you want to be as a mom and still giving your all as an athlete. And I think that's a balance that we as women have to do constantly, whether you're in sport, whether you're working, you know, a career, whatever you're doing. It's these expectations that you put on yourself and that society puts on yourself. You know, my mom, she stayed at home with us when I was younger. So my mom was there every single game I had, anything that I did, my first preschool class, my art class, she took me everywhere, picked me up from school. So my idea of what a mother was, was one that was there and doing everything for, you know, for her kids. And so when I had Layla, I had to learn, you know, it's a balance. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the perfect mother for Layla if I'm not happy. And, you know, there's sacrifices that you have to have and that you have to give up. So it was more of a mental ballot battle for me. I mean, obviously, physically, you can't, you know, you're not sleeping as much. You, as an athlete, <laughs> naps and like, you know, pregame naps and eating at a certain time. And it's like with a kid, it was like, hey, mom, so we're not going to sleep tonight at all. And you have a playoff game tomorrow, you know? And so it's just, there's things you adjust to, but it's been, it's been a great adjustment. 
Yeah, you can't be, you know, athletes have to be inherently selfish in some regards with regards to your routine and your 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 eating and your diet and your sleep. So, yes, uh, I'm sure that was disrupted quite a lot when you had Layla, uh, <laughs> but in the most positive way possible. You mentioned your mom. Um, I want to get into your childhood a little bit because you grew up in Naperville, Illinois. Your older brother is former NBA star Anthony Parker. Your dad also was a great basketball player, played at the University of Iowa. And you've talked a lot, Candace, about how hard it is to live up to their expectations you know even so much as when you were younger I read that you didn't even want to play basketball you wanted to play soccer because it was different than what your dad had and and how did you overcome the fear of not living up to the level your father had achieved and then ultimately you know how you overcame that that obstacle that you were worried about well we were a basketball family I mean, we went everywhere. I can remember our summer vacations were following my oldest brother around to his basketball tournaments. And so it was like what I grew up with. And I grew up with two older brothers. And my parents were, I would say, ahead of the ahead of the time in which that they didn't treat me any different than my brothers. You know, I had the same curfew, the same expectations. When I played poorly in a game, it was the same result. You know, we worked out. My dad treated me the same as the boys. And So for that, I'm very thankful because, you know, they pushed me to do well at whatever I chose to do. And initially, I was a soccer player. I wanted to be an Olympic soccer player. I wanted to be just like Mia Hamm. Mm -hmm. And as I went on and I started watching basketball and I fell in love with basketball around seventh grade, and that's when just everything, all the fear kind of left. It was like, I'm going to be Candace Parker. I'm going to do things the best that I can. And then after that, you know, I'll live with the results. But I think my expectations for myself were always greater than any expectations anybody else had for me. And so I was that kid that was driven, that was outside, you know, my dad said, you can't run around the house a hundred times. I was going to do it, you know? And so I think challenges were always something that I, I really liked and, and kind of <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like your your father really taught by example and, and really, you know, he demanded that if you're going to work hard, I mean, you, you have to to achieve these goals, you're going to have to put in the work ethic and he certainly held you accountable. But what what kind of advice did he give you throughout the years, both he and your mom to, to keep you on that that confident, straight path to achieve the great success that you've had? I think the greatest advice that I ever got slash heard was just how when you're younger and you don't know and you don't have life experiences, you know, your voice of reason is kind of your parents. You know, they kind of show you what's right, what's wrong. And when you do things, you you hear their voice in your head saying, hey, this is right or this is wrong or you should do this or you shouldn't. And then pretty soon as you get older and older, that voice becomes your own and you're able to kind of, you know, go through life and make those ty- right right types of decisions and do the right thing on your own. And so I think I'm thankful for my parents because they instilled work ethic in, in me. Like when I was younger, I understood what it was like when, when you start something, you work hard at it. And mm-hmm. when you start something, you finish it. And so those are the two lessons from my childhood that my dad never let me quit. If we committed to do something, we did it. And those are the same lessons that I'm trying to teach to my daughter and trying to instill in her because they're super valuable in whatever field. I mean, if I wasn't a basketball player, those are lessons that you, you know, you take with you forever. You said before you do things the best I can. And I just want to read off some of these amazing accolades that you've achieved throughout your career. We mentioned, you know, WNBA champ, two-time Olympic gold medalist, but also a two-time WNBA MVP 
five-time All-Star, former Rookie of the Year, going back to college, two-time NCAA champ with the Lady Vols, the Naismith College Player of the Year in 2008, AP Female Athlete of the Year 2008. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, Growing up in Naperville, Illinois, did you have dreams as big as those accomplishments that I just rattled off? I can't say that I dreamed those exact accomplishments, but I always, when I had a ball in my hand, and I was out of my driveway, I always envisioned being the best, like at what I was trying to do. You know, I always envisioned being on the basketball court and being the best. And so I think when the thing, when things started being thrown at me, it wasn't a surprise, but I really truly was appreciative and, and really valued, you know, the work that I put into it, but also mm-hmm. just the accomplishments. Cause I think sometimes people look past the moment and they don't live in the moment. And I can't say I always did. But now I'm thankful for, you know, looking back on the things that I've accomplished. And I'm really appreciative for my parents because obviously they laid the foundation. Well, they laid a tremendous foundation. There's no doubt about that, Candice. And I want to now get into your your college days. And um, I grew up, I'm a little older than you. I grew up um, playing basketball as well and just dreaming of playing at the collegiate level. I ended up running track instead at Rutgers. So we won't talk about the championship. Uh, (laughs) Lady Vols (laughs) first national championship in 1998 beating my alma mater uh, in that game. But, But you played at Tennessee for the late and legendary coach Pat Summit, who is an icon to so many people. And you had such a great personal relationship with her for so many years. So just tell me how her influence um, came on you as a person and as a basketball player and some of the values that she gave to you while you were at Tennessee. You know, I'll never forget when I first started watching the Lady Balls, and it was a result of, you know, Coach Summit. When I was in junior high, right around the time I started falling in love with basketball, they were winning their three-peat. You know, they won in 96, 97, and 98. And so, it was always on my television and, you know, the WNBA had just started around that time. So it was just all coming together. And I remember my dad came home from a business trip and he said, you know, I got something for you. And it was a Tennessee hat. And on the brim of the hat, it said, I don't coach effort. And it was a quote from Pat Summit. Hmm. So I think my, my parents always put strong women in front of me just to prove and show that you can do and be anything that you want to be. And so she was one of those that I always admired from afar at that point because I didn't know her. And obviously all her accolades spoke for, her, for themselves, her accomplishments. But then I got to Tennessee and I realized, you know, there's a lot of people in this world that can talk all this about doing stuff. And this is the way to happiness or the way to working hard and being successful. But some of those people don't do it. They don't like walk the walk the talk, I should say. And mm-hmm. she does that in everything, in every part of her life. And I think you realize in times when they're when things are good and people are able to like do what they say and live by this code, but then when things are bad, some people don't. And she did. Even when she got sick, she continuously lived by everything that she spoke. And so when you have a tremendous amount of respect for somebody and they don't disappoint you, I think that's what I'm most proud of Coach Summit is everything that she lived by, she lived by. And so I, I've just learned so many valuable lessons that I'm living myself as well as you know, paying it forward to the next generation and as well as my daughter. How did she empower you guys 
you know, what was her technique as far as being hard on you guys to achieve what, you know, what needed to be achieved on the basketball court, but also empowering you as young women? You know, it's, it's interesting because she came up with this definite dozen policy, like principles, and they're basically leadership principles that you should live your life by, but also we ran our program with. So, you know, it's just like handle success as you handle failure, discipline yourself so no one else has to, like, you know, rules like that. And for me, I think she just always was a, had the ability to lead, but she listened. And I think that, that when you're able to, to value listening and understanding how important those that you surround yourself with are, that's where, you know, everything is about. I mean, the, the best people in the world, the leaders, don't know everything. You know, you still have mm-hmm. to listen. And I think when we would be in huddles and everybody would be surprised how much she listened to her players. And then she made the decision. I mean, it took a while for me to adjust to coaches that it was their way or no way, you know, and her, it was, it was conversation. It, she made you feel like you were involved and, you know, and so I think I truly value the respect that she had for everyone around her because she demanded respect, but she gave it as well. Well, you had the opportunity to play under the greatest uh, that many would consider of, of all time, uh, Pat Summit. Do you have any coaching aspirations, you know, when, when your basketball days are over and you got to figure out the next thing you want to do? I know you've dabbled in TV, and, and uh, that's really fun to see you on the TV screen doing playoff games. But do you have any coaching aspirations? As of right now, I am um, exploring TV I don't know if I have the patience to coach. (laughs) So (laughs) that is one aspect of my life I'm still working on. My daughter will tell you patience is not something that is, um, is one of my better qualities. So (laughs) I think in order to, in order to coach, I kind of have a, have to have a little bit more patience, but we'll see. I'm, I'm up for whatever life throws at me. It's funny you say you don't have patience. I feel like you have to have patience to achieve this great success, but I'm sure you're also very like, I mean, how would you describe yourself? Are you, are you type A go-getter? Like always the second you wake up from in the morning, you go, go, go. I mean, just describe to me your personality. I am extremely type A. I want stuff and I want it now. And when I can't get it now, I'm going to figure out a way to get it. And so I think, you know, there's a gift and a curse with that because I think Mm -hmm. that's the reason why, you know, I am the way that I am. But it's also, you know, there's areas in your life where you have to be okay with a little bit more patience and being okay with waiting, you know, a little bit. And so I think coaching would definitely, you know, take its toll. I kind of assist, I was an assistant coach a little bit for my daughter's soccer team and, you know, you kind of have to take a step back because, you know, no matter what level you're watching or playing or a part of, you want to win, you know, and you want <laughs> exactly. to make sure that you come out on top. And so it's just having that balance of teaching and, you know, being respectful, but also pushing them to, to win. And so I think that is something I would struggle with. And uh, I think it would depend on the level that I would coach. But uh, I mean, maybe I won't say I never say never. Stick with the nine-year-olds for now, right? <laughs> safe safe zone there. Well, I mentioned you dabbled in TV, but you were also featured in the first episode of LeBron James's The Shop on HBO, which is, if anybody hasn't seen it, I mean, it's super cool. It's a series that's produced through HBO Sports. It features unfiltered conversations with LeBron, kind of in a barbershop-type setting. So, you know, what was it like being in that room when you filmed that show? It was a lot of fun for me just to look around and see that, 
you know, the company that was there. I mean, Snoop Dogg was there, LeBron, obviously Mav, Draymond. And then when I walked in, they don't really tell you who's going to be on the show. And so we all come in at different times and I was walking in and I sat down next to this guy and I didn't really look at him clear. And then I realized, you know, oh my gosh, this is John Stewart sitting next to me. And I'm oh the gosh. biggest Daily Show fan. And so <laughs> I kind of had to pinch myself a little bit because I was sitting next to John Stewart and they say, you know, don't meet your heroes, don't meet your idols, don't meet the people that you really look up to. But he did not disappoint. I mean, as a, you know, just personally getting to talk to him off camera, it was unbelievable. You know, just the things that he had to say and his personality and, you know, how much respect he has. So it was a unique experience for me because I got to talk on a level with people that I, you know, I never imagined sitting down in that setting speaking to. Are you friends with LeBron? Is that how it came about or was it? Yeah, we've known each other for a while, Um, you know, kept up with each other's career, played in a couple Olympics together. And so, you know, obviously in basketball, your paths cross cross a lot. And so it it was, you know, it's it's fun to see where he's at in his career. And, you know, I've seen and been a part of his career since he was 18 years old. So to see how he's grown off the floor as well as on the floor and what he's accomplished. I'm really excited for him to come to L.A. because I know that there's going to be so many opportunities that he's going and doors that he's going to open for athletes that weren't there before. All right, before we let you go, a couple fun questions that we like to kind of play around with at the end of the podcast. Um, So I'll start with, uh, what is your guilty pleasure? So I I do have a little bit of a sweet tooth. So I would say I love... Baskin Robin ice cream cakes. I'm Ooh. like obsessed with them. Those are yeah, that's Those my guilty so pleasure good. for sure. The <laughs> vanilla and chocolate mix that they do. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's so <laughs> amazing. My daughter, my daughter and I go in, and we sometimes just get a cake just to get one, like it's nobody's birthday, and they're like, "Who's why not?" And like Layla, <laughs> Layla like makes up a happy birthday name. She's like, "It's Bob's birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Bob!" Like write it on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I get flowers for myself each week. I mean, no one else is buying me flowers. So my doorman always there sees me go. walking in. He said, beautiful flowers. I'm like, I know, because no one else is buying them for me. I got it. So get yourself a birthday cake every know. week. I vote for that. <laughs> what kind of music? It. Yeah. What kind of music do you like to listen to? I'm on my Drake. Uh, uh-huh. I, I would say my Drake kick right now. I, I like, you know, I like hip hop. I like R&B. I think my favorite artists probably are, are Drake. I like Ed Sheeran. I like, of course, Beyonce, Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of, I listen to a lot of different things. What's the one item besides your cell phone that you just can't leave home without? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say I'm like a fanatic for like lotion. So I always <laughs> have lotion in my bag or something. And I... Yeah, I would say lotion, like hand lotion is like I'm a fanatic for. That's awesome. Uh, what That's do you like, like random, to yeah. yeah, No, listen, I would say if anybody asked me that question, because I've thought about it, I would say lip gloss. I don't go anywhere. My gym bag, bag has lip gloss. And I'm not talking like there crazy colors, but just I'm constantly putting it on. and It's got to be in every bag I have. So uh, I, I you feel you on the lotion. Yes. Um, got to stay hydrated. What do you like to do to relax and kind of recharge yourself? Because I know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast um, are looking at you for inspiration. You've got a busy schedule. You're a mom. uh, You're a professional athlete. So what do you do to kind of recharge the batteries? When I need a recharge, I am in love with the beach. 
So I literally take my towel out on the beach and I take 15, 20 minutes and I lay on my towel and I just like listen to the water and kind of just like recharge my battery. And, you know, or if I'm at home and I can't make it to the beach, I go and I have this spot in my house where I take my book and I tell my daughter, don't say my name for 15 minutes. And I I sit down (laughs) and I read. And that's kind of my recharge is just, you know, either clearing my mind or putting something positive in my mind. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book that you read or do you have one that you're reading now? I'm like on this fix, you know, fix yourself kick. So I'm always on psychology books and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So I think the book that I would say there's two, there's uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book Blink. And there's also another book by Carol Dweck, uh, Mindset. So those are kind of my two go-to books. Um, you know, in terms of the fix yourself books. And then obviously like Alchemist is probably my all-time favorite book. Coelho, one of my favorites. I agree. Yeah. There are so many. I mean, you read that book, every single sentence is a quote. So, oh, I'm with you on that one. Every every age, like I've read it at high school, I've read it at college, and every age you get something different from that Mm -hmm. book. And you, you know, so I really, I really enjoy reading that. I read it probably every two or three years, I would say. That's awesome. Well, we have really enjoyed having you on here, Candice. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. We'll look forward to watching you next season uh, with L.A. And continued success to you. You've been an inspiration to so many people that are listening to the podcast and, and myself included. So keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Take care. We were just chatting with WNBA champion and two-time Olympic gold medalist Candace Parker. You can download the On Her Turf podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. So be sure to chime in and also follow us on Instagram at On Her Turf. Have a great rest of your day, everyone, and be sure to join us next time for the On Her Turf podcast.